available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Holy cow, Dave, we got a Pac show today. So much to get to. So much news, so many reviews, so many games. We got an old, old favorite from last year. You know how, like, when they talk about water levels, they're always talking about the snowpack? Yeah. We should talk about the show pack. <laughs> the the show pack is way above average levels right now. Very, very highly above average levels. Happy uh, Veterans Day to everyone out there. Thank you for your service, everyone. Uh, let's, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you know, send us an email, anything like that. We got a bunch of questions to get to today. Pack podcast at gmail.com is the email address, or you can call or text us at 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast. The website is Pac-12Podcast.com, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. And of course, our favorite, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. We promise to read them. Now, I don't know what happens, Dave, if we get 16 reviews in a week. Do we do we still have to read them? Uh, we, we have there is no way out, but only through. There's we only must, through. We must do. I want to let everyone know uh, we didn't have one last week, so I didn't have to give away 100 But I guess people got into it like, hey, we want to get the $100 gift card to Jockey. Thanks again to Jockey. Uh, I got some more Jockey news coming a little bit later on, but we'll pick the best one. So let's uh, let's go. All right. Uh, we'll start with the Syphilitic Emperor. Now, I will make a note up front. Uh, iTunes is once again, and I will continue to call it iTunes. Uh, <laughs> they changed the way you can view reviews. You have to open up like the iTunes app on your friggin' computer to actually read reviews. So I'm having a look at this on my phone, which means I can't actually read the entire subject line. So the podcast to which all others dot, dot, dot. I'm assuming Aspire. That's what I'll guess. Okay. This is from Syphilitic Emperor, which is a great username. No hilarious troll reviews or sarcasm, and I don't need the gift card. I just wanted to share that I got accepted into USC and have been in a state of happiness since getting the news. Dream school. I grew up with this podcast, and in a strange way, it helped motivate me, Ryan in particular, to chase my dreams. I had awful grades in high school, but spent the last two years hustling it best I could at the JC level. 3.96 GPA, and I start in January. Fight on. Awesome. That I mean, very cool. Uh, also, I, grew up with our show. That's that's weird. Me inspiring you, that's also weird. That's also weird. <laughs> like, there is, there, there is no level at which you should have been inspired by anything from this show <laughs> to earn a 3.96 GPA. But congratulations. Uh, yeah, congratulations. Weird. That's very, very exciting. No sarcasm here. That's None awesome. None whatsoever. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, this is from 503. Five stars, I guess. A podcast about Pac-12 football, kind of, where the only team that's nationally relevant only lost once but has beat another top five team, won the last two conference championships, and will be favored in every game from here on out. Most likely can't even reach the number one spot in the conference power rankings. That logic about sums up this podcast. So when Wazoo or Utah or whoever you put ahead of Oregon this week loses, rank Oregon one next week at least, or at least send me a jockey card for warning you. 
We have a working one. They're, they're the only team in the last, like... But remember, this was sent on uh, November 2nd. Okay. Six weeks. They're the first team to, yeah. uh, to win as our POC number one squ- seed. That's true. That's true. All right. This is uh, from yet another Duck fan. Five stars for a top five podcast. Is this a top five podcast across the genres? Definitely not. Is this a top five podcast in sports? Not even close. Is this a top five college football podcast? Nope, but we're nearing double digits now. Is this a top five Pac-12 centric show? Sure, but I can only name three of them. One run by students who have memorialized Bill Walton in their name. One with data and betting nerds and this dreck. So I guess top five is true, if only by a technicality, which is definitely enough for Ryan and Dave. Is it worth listening to? Here's my best comparison for what the show is. Just think of it as the two hours on hold with your local branch of the library to only find out that they don't have any books on football, but they'd like to know if you are interested in Civil War generals or obscure historical references instead. It's not what you came for, and you're not really sure you're interested, but you've invested this much time. A true tale of the sunk cost fallacy. Go Ducks, and definitely use your finite time on Earth to listen to this train wreck. You may not know more about football, but you can claim to be academically prowess afterwards. That's a contender. Right I mean, that has to... That- could be the winner that's probably the winner but we'll we'll keep going uh supermex the classic this is a podcast yes this is a podcast i like it because you know what they were trying to do they were trying to sneak in there with no other reviews and right see if they could win with no that would have been a funny way to win that's a david woods type review right that, <laughs> i'm just trying to win this stupid thing with the least effort possible right all right this is from lane 9875457857436466 fa no one else is listening I'm not only writing this review because I want the gift card, but I'm certain that I'm going to win since I'm the only one still listening because everyone else listened to your terrible picks and have lost all their money on my bookie and cannot afford these bills for internet. I'm also going to put the same effort into my punctuation as you guys do into your picks and analysis and not put any in any punctuation. In conclusion, please put more effort into your picks so people can stop going broke because we do not need more homeless people on the streets of Eugene. We are going to start to smell as bad as it does in Corvallis. Not a period in there. Wow. This is from Ocnus 16 It's a podcast. Sometimes they even talk football. This is from Bonton is Good, five-star review. It's a podcast commensurate in quality with the conference it covers. This is from Jeff Wu, USC 1994. Uh, this is actually uh, just a... He really went lazy. He's just publishing the same review twice. I'm not even going to read that one, Jeff. This is from Duke Dougal. Just married. Hey, guys, I just got married last weekend. My new wife, horrified, says I need to get new underwear. Please save me from an early divorce with some sweet jockey gear. P.S. The podcast is okay, too, I guess. P.S.S. Go Bruins. Congratulations on the marriage. This is from Gary in Germany. Uh, Sun Devil in Tucson. Ooh. Couple of West Coast honks whose consistently two-plus-hour pods would make Larry Scott blush. From the Palouse to the Sonoran Desert, nobody does it better. Nate Dog reference. All right. I like it. This is five stars like Jimmy Lake from Eric24601. This pod doesn't compete with other Pac-12 pods, only pods that have podcast prowess. Analysis of the Conference of Champions is on point as Jimmy Lake is as on point as Jimmy Lake with the game on the line or John Donovan scripting an offense. Five <laughs> stars. R.I.P. John Donovan. See you yeah. on the flip side. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him in a bit. Uh, this is from RS0161847, UPS truck driver. Sorry I'm not witty or creative. If I was, I'd probably be doing something else for a living. But I do look forward to the podcast. It keeps me entertained for a couple hours a week. Keep up the good work and go Utes. Love it. Awesome. This is from Beckton9965. Ryan and Dude. If you have read my email, you'll see I promised to leave a five-star rating. Promises made, promises kept. On a separate note, I left all my underwear in Arizona over the weekend, and I'm really just hoping for a gift card. I hope I'm not being too subtle. This is from MV Halos, here to support West Coast football. Since my phone doesn't have Apple Podcasts and I usually listen on Stitcher, I borrowed my wife's phone to leave you guys five stars. 
Lately, I found myself listening to Feinbaum for college football talk because local radio in SoCal barely discusses it. There are only so many times you can listen to Bo in Mississippi call and talk trash on Dusty in Arkansas. So here I am uh, to support the Pac-12. I'll make sure to not only watch my team, but to support the conference as a whole by watching other Pac-12 games. Now, if we can only keep the talent out West and get more step support from the schools to hire great coaching staffs. All right, we got two more. Ready? Okay. <clears throat> this is from a horse, a horse with no ute. When it rains, I thought this review was going to be something between USC and Arizona, but it changed to a Cal or Washington State after last week. Being a Ute fan listening to this dribble that you two espouse is like drinking the water that finally makes it to the ocean at the end of the LA River, polluted and defiled. The problem is that you're just reporting on the Pac-12, so you get a pass. Last week, you decided to share in some adult beverages, and some funny actually came out. I was as surprised as you were clueless. <laughs> Ryan's comment that Arizona might win a game sometime in the next two years got a LOL on my drive, so I suggest using the adult beverage to lubricate the more comedic side because God knows that's the only thing that might keep me listening. I know the number one pick curse is broken, but please don't slide Utah in, even though we all know they are the better team. Use the booze. Go Utes. Nice. And this is from Listen McListener, a podcast worth its weight in gift cards. Number three reason, I will pay Ryan the 58 cents for postage if I win. And like David, I'm a fan of line breaks. Also, still, still a good podcast. Three reviews equals one gift card. Sure hope so. Keep up the great work, guys. Listen, McListener. Nice. You know, yet another Duck fan is the winner. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah like, that was so good. So yet another Duck fan. Um, email us. Email me, Ryan, at uscfootball.com. I will send you the gift card. Uh, thanks to Jockey for providing those hundred dollars. You get some some underwear, some gear. Um, I think so. So I tried to pull up, you know, iTunes or whatever on my computer, and I can't do it anymore. Did something change? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I feel like that's like maybe why we didn't get reviews last week. Like there was some weird stuff going on. Maybe it was a glitch in the matrix. So there's some kind of matrix yeah, glitch yeah. or whatever. But thank you for all the reviews, and uh, the Duck fan will get the uh, the uh, the gift card. So thanks for that. Uh, also want to thank, uh, my bookie being a great sponsor. So more is always better. That's why my bookie instantly doubles all your first time deposits with double the funds. You can double the action. More importantly, double your wins. I did that this past week, David. It was great. Getting in the action has never been easier. Use promo code pack 12 to get started. The best part is, is you can bet with your favorite currencies. You can do crypto, uh, with all that little extra scratch. Why not get in on the biggest matchups of the week at my bookie? course you got the pack 12 you can bet on any college football but we're inching closer to the nfl playoffs showdown between divisional rivals san francisco 49ers and the rams and the rams just picked up obj as we're writing this so that's kind of cool um so check it out you can bet all that stuff over at my bookie and uh you get the double deposit bonus like i said and i did it this past week david as i said you know what i've been doing one unit per game so one unit every pack 12 game week one I won, went five and one, was great. Week two was two and four, but we also had that free bet that mm -hmm. I got, so I got a winning week from that. This past week, you had you went four and one, I went three and two. We had the last the USC game kind of the, the the tipping point, but I so I had five bets down, five units. I put five more units just on the Oregon game alone, the one that you were saying, no way they're the number one team in the power. I bet as much as I bet on all the other games on Oregon again, and that was a winner. So I've more than doubled my money in my, my bookie account in three weeks. I am pretty happy about it. You got to be stoked. I was pretty happy. Got to so, be stoked. Uh, and it's nice to pick games right, too. But yeah, um, and picking the right one. I just, as soon as Lake tweeted that, you know, the, the uh, academic prowess thing, academically prowess program. Yes, because they were an academically prowess program. I, I tweeted out, like, 
give me Oregon minus six, like uh-huh. I, instantly. And uh, I, I put my money where my mouth is, and now I've uh, had a good week on there. So it was good. We'll get to all that, but thanks to my bookie. Make sure you check it out. Mybookie.com, mybookie.ag, but also use promo code PAC12. And uh, we also have a survival pool winner. Two winners. Two winners. Yeah. Who are the winners? Do you have it up? Do you have it pulled up? No, God, no. Uh, I can do that. I just uh, remember things that I read. Uh, so the winner. It's Sinjin. Sinjin and Dustin. And Dustin. Yeah. So M- Matthew wrote in and says, Sinjin and Dustin have tied for the Survival Pool Championship by both being knocked out of week 10. So Dustin was victimized by Berkeley ravaged Cal. So he had Cal, unfortunately, and had all the COVID stuff. Sinjin was a victim of Oregon's re- revival of, or- of Colorado's offense the previous week. So neither of them were bold enough to pick Arizona in their moment of glory. Uh, while they, were, yeah, I guess they could have picked Arizona. While they were uh, not all, were also not courageous and/or stupid enough to go out in a blaze of glory with Stanford, who lost against possibly the best quarterback t- uh, tailback combo in the conference. I'm referring, of course, Jack West and Isaiah Sanders. So, congrats again from Matthew. And uh, I sent this over to our buddy Tom at uh, Jockey. I'm like, what can we do for these guys? We got two winners. I just got in the mail before I came over here. Each of them are going to get $200 in gift cards. to Boom. Each one. So that's $400 in gift cards for the survival pool. That's like a legit prize. That's really that we even legit. Know. That's really, like legit. Really, really legit. So Sinjin, Dustin, uh, I think we have your emails, but uh, I'll email you guys and let you know um, about that. So yeah, so very cool. Congratulations. Uh, and they both get $200 in jockey gift cards for doing our survival pool. Fan friggin' tastic. Matthew, thank you for running that all season. You were amazing. So great, great job there. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, newsy stuff. Um, I guess we got some. Uh, I couldn't find the drop. You want to do it? COVID canceled. Yeah. I'm driving to practice on Tuesday. And I get a text from Keeley and a text from Chris Trevino. We're on like a group text. And both of them say game canceled. And basketball season was starting. I'm not a basketball person. Shaka was going to go to the game. I assume they're talking like the basketball game was canceled. I wasn't even thinking that the football game was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. But the Cal- football game was well yeah. postponed. Cal's had a, uh, had a massive, I, I won't call it, I guess an outbreak, whatever. Um, they've had a lot of positive tests on their team. Uh, it derailed them, as we'll talk about, uh, in the desert. Yeah. And now it has canceled the game. It sounds like it was one position group that just got completely annihilated, essentially. They actually had fewer positive tests this week than the previous week, but one position group was completely done, and they couldn't play. Uh, so it's been rescheduled, USC Cal, for December 4th. Yeah, so they rescheduled it. We don't know the TV. Uh, it's the day after the Pac-12 championship game. Um, hey, but it's it's the eighth place championship game. It, yeah, so neither the eighth place game. Both teams can barely be bowl eligible. They're not going to win their division. So uh, it's very interesting. And like early on, it just seemed like there was fight. You know, Chase Garbers came out and like was critical towards the city of Berkeley and the uh, well the health. What is it? It was like, I forget, the Berkeley, like the, the University Health Department or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. A lot of fingers being pointed. Um, players were really mad. The city came out firing. And yeah. like you were saying, like they're like, this is an outbreak. We Initially, we thought there was like a couple people tested positive. They're asymptomatic. Contact tracing wiped out the team. That wasn't the case. There was 44, I believe, 44 cases of right. like positive tests, like lab confirmed positive tests, not false positive or whatever. 
is it like really an outbreak? Like I don't think anyone's sick. There's no one's like you know. Yeah, they might not be. I mean, but was, they're, they're like ninety nine percent vaccinated, but still. But they have the right. virus. <laughs> so I get like so I, I'm just not from one like that a, would be they should be punished just from like a stupidity standpoint. Like, like how did that happen? Yeah, like to be that vaccinated and then to have that many positive cases. Like I was like you know on Twitter like people were kind of crushing the city as like. Maybe, I don't think it's that. I mean, there's probably a little bit of everything. Like, if this was Alabama, I don't think they would have canceled the game. Like, they probably would have been not. tested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they wouldn't sure. have been but tested and all this stuff. I but. haven't heard of any number. Like, and I know some schools are still reporting the numbers, and I haven't heard anything like that number of positive tests. No. Something's something's amiss. Something's weird at Cal. Like, let's. <laughs> uh, it's not just the city of Berkeley being no. weird with no, their no. requirements. Something bad happened with the football program the and or the university. Yeah. There's something weird going on, and uh, yeah, are they doing surveillance testing properly? Like, what are they doing that allowed that level? Because that's, I mean, that's a full like even counting walk-ons and personnel and everything. That's a full third of the like entire program that yeah. was positive. There was coaches. There was a lot of people that's crazy. Involved. Um, this is so unfortunate situation, and I felt I had a lot of sympathy for the players. I wasn't blaming them at all. There might be some, <laughs> there, there might be some blame now, to go around. I might have been just throwing you know darts at the city just because it was like ah oh, what are those hippies doing over right. there. But it seems like they were probably okay, you know. Um, but whatever. The good thing is like there was options. The, no, the good thing is that we don't have to watch Cal football this weekend, <laughs> or or and importantly USC football. For all the for all those people that were make, making jokes on uh, Twitter about like what uh, why we were delayed, it wasn't me. But we you know we won't get into that. But I don't I don't have to work this weekend now. I'm going to play great. at a volleyball tournament. Like, I I might, you know. You're going to get drunk and watch games. I'm going to be, yeah. Like, I might not be watching games on my phone or whatever. But so what could happen? People are asking on Twitter and stuff, like, isn't it a forfeit? Um, yeah, so this year versus last year where we say COVID canceled. If it was COVID canceled, there should have been a forfeit. Uh, but there's options there, and the schools could come together. There's an open date, obviously, the championship weekend. They talked to the Pac-12 commissioner, George Klyopkov. They would like to play the game. They're going to play the game. For for Cal, they're three and six. They need to win out to make a bowl. USC's four and five. They got to win two or three to make a bowl. Um, they could have USC could have said, you know, we're out. We're going to take the forfeit, and they're going to play. So that's good. I think it's better for the players and everyone. They get a chance it's to be, play. It's better for the money. It's better for the money. Um, but the forfeit, you know, would have helped them. Uh, now they got to try to win two out of their last three with UCLA. BYU and then Cal. Unfortunately true, true for murderers row. Uh, unfortunately for Cal, like, like we've seen teams be dead and then like come back. You know, you get the gif of the Undertaker no, that, come back to and life. That's, that's the screwed up part for Cal is if they had been healthy last weekend, they probably do beat Arizona, even with Arizona. Well, we'll talk about that. But they probably could have made a real run at bowl eligibility, and now they can't. It would have been tough because they would have won that game. They would have won three. It would have been three in a row, right? Like yeah. they looked like a legit. They were, and then they would have still had Stanford and UCLA on the schedule, both winnable games. Not to mention USC. Yeah, so they would have. Uh, they played Oregon tough and then started winning. You know, so they've turned it around. Um, but this COVID stuff just derailed them, and so I don't know if they'll be. Able, they, it looks like big game, big game is going to be on. From what they're saying, it sounds like people are going to be okay by then um and they'll be able to be out of protocol and all that stuff so you didn't correct me uh saying the big, the game. big game okay um so that's good for cal going forward but can they 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 built up that momentum are they just gonna go back to being crappy cal that was one and five at the beginning of the season or are they gonna be like good so i don't know we'll see right uh okay so there was that there's also 
some news <laughs> up at the University of Washington. Whole bad. Washington's a bad football team, Dave. So bad. They're not good. So bad. So bad. Okay. All right. I want to take the lead on this. Um, yeah, go they ahead. They fired John Donovan after the game. Uh, should have fired himself, Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake should have been fired immediately. <laughs> immediately. Uh, so th- they're using a pretext for suspending him uh, for, I don't know, slapping a guy on a helmet and then Push pushing, the him, player, pushing yeah, him from yeah. behind. Like, you, you, okay, so I'm not on a – I'm not, like, pro coaches, like, beating on players at all. Like I think that's it's good, always I think it's always stupid and, and way to take up. a stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, totally. <laughs> but that's not the reason you're getting suspended. The reason you're getting suspended, Jimmy Lake, is because you chose to punt with two minutes to go, down by eight. In a game where like Oregon was like suddenly just driving on you all the time. Running the ball. You decided well. to surrender in a one score game where your true only option for actually like winning that game in a non fluke circumstance was to convert your fourth and 10 from your own 10. That was your only chance. Yeah. And you decided to punt. And then you know what your long snapper dude did at, out of like subconscious protest. He snapped it out of the goddamn end zone because you are a coward and you should be fired for that. And you probably will be, I mean, you're getting suspended now. So Jimmy Lake was suspended for basically slapping a player's helmet and then pushing him from behind, which was a bad look. It looks awful. And, and uh, punting. But it was really for the fact that he sucks as a coach. <laughs> and uh, he should never coach another game at Washington, and I don't think he will. I think it'll be this week he's suspended, and then next week the lawyers will have had enough time to work out a buyout, and he'll be fired. Well, yeah. Well, Donovan's fired. So I assume Washington's offense is going to go bananas because – Colorado fired their offensive line coach, <laughs> and their offense got like a hundred percent better or more. Look, you uh, fire look, the offensive coordinator, like you just going to go through the roof. Like, I think I, Washington will be better. They will be. Um, John Donovan was horrible, uh, and they do have talent on that offense, uh, but their offensive line is a mess. And I don't know if that gets fixed by a coordinator decision. But uh, yeah, Washington. Jesus Christ, uh, Jimmy Lake. I've never been more infuriated by a decision <laughs> so in, a, in a game where I had. Absolutely no rooting interest whatsoever. I was so furious. Because you, you, no, you didn't pick Oregon. You picked Washington. I picked Washington, but oh, like yeah. I didn't really like just like from a pure like decision making standpoint. And like people are like making the case, oh well, it was only a difference of like point two in win expectancy at that point. Really? And I'm like, well, well, you want to know why? Because no matter what they did, they had like a one and a half percent chance of winning the frigging game. Do you know what a 0.2% chance difference is when there's oh. only 1.5% chance that you win? That's like a- it's like a 5% decision at the beginning of a game. Yeah. <laughs> like decisions are magnified at the end of the game. That's why you can't screw up the end of a game in a one score game. And you screwed it up magnificently. You should be fired. Thinking immediately. about it, though, I think punting was probably the better call. Like I will, <laughs> I will come over there and I will strangle you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Jimmy Lake, you should be fired. John Donovan, uh, you John were Donovan proper, is properly fired. fired. Jimmy Lake is suspended. Um, they, you know, Jen Cohn, the athletic director, came out and you know said some stuff. They said we're going to review it. They did. Twenty four hours later, he got suspended. Yeah, so. and they're currently reviewing his contract, and they're going to fire him. Uh, Oregon State, man, they're, Oregon State's one and four on the road. Did you know that? Right, their defense is trash on the road. The team that they beat on the road, USC. Smacked mm, yeah. them around. Beat the hell out of them. Uh, so that doesn't really count. Tim Tibisar. Defensive uh, coordinator. Yeah. He gone. He gone. Uh, silly season yep. going on. Oh, yeah. Which, yeah, because. Uh, this is the situation where firing a coordinator is acceptable and a good a good 
reaction, a good proper sized reaction to a specific problem. Like Oregon State, you don't need to fire your head coach. You did need to make a change at defensive coordinator, and it's good that you did it right now. That's yeah, great. It was good. To, I mean, when you give up a whole bunch of points to Cal and Colorado, teams that right. weren't like good at putting up a whole bunch of points, they'd be like, ooh, that's a problem. Yeah, this was good. Uh, all right. So, Tibisar, he gone. And we'll see what Oregon State's able to do. Um, I think they come back home this weekend, so we'll talk about all that. Uh, Jim, your buddy Jim Mora got hired at the head coach of UConn. Timothy Mora, UConn head coach. He's, I think he's probably going to get the band back together because Lou Spanos, his defensive coordinator from his first two years at UCLA, was the interim head coach at UConn. Oh, so he'll probably and stay on. Noel Mazzoni was brought in as an offensive consultant a few weeks ago. Wow. So he could have his entire staff. They were planning this. Yeah, they might have been. They might have been. Uh, I don't think it's a good fit for Jim, um, <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, he might, uh, you know, if he brings some energy to it, he might be able to do something, but he needs to be able to recruit. And I just don't know if you can recruit at UConn. Yeah. Um, hey, and all the other, like, I know we're LA based and all that stuff, and you want to, like, get on us for talking USC or UCLA. Have your former coaches go out and get hired in some weird spot. You yeah. know, have Clay Houghton go to Georgia Southern. Have Jim Moore go to <laughs> yeah. UConn. If your former coaches did that, we'd talk about that too. Right. We need but that. You gotta be weirder. Yeah, you're everyone. not doing it. You're not doing enough weird shit. Yeah. Okay, Kyle Whittingham, I get it. You've been there for 20 years. Who cares? Right. Like, right. Go, go go do something dumb. Oh, well, Mike McIntyre, you want to go be an offensive analyst for like whatever, Texas or Alabama, wherever the hell you went? Fine. But that's not interesting. <laughs> they already have like 15 head coaches on their <laughs> offensive staff. <laughs> go be the head coach at UConn. Yeah. And then we'll talk yeah. about you. Yeah. All right. Uh, Go take a high school job, you hell, you assholes. <laughs> All right. Rankings real quick. Uh, Oregon moves up a spot. Michigan State loses. Uh, falls behind Michigan, which you, you probably don't care. But like there, a lot of people were talking about that. Like Michigan State beat Michigan, and now they're behind them in the rankings. But Oregon's number three, and Utah snuck in. They're number 24. So that's good. So we have two teams in the Pac-12 ranked in the college football rankings. That's great. You care. Uh, the AP poll... Uh, Oregon's number five. Why? 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 Compared to what? Why are we talking about the AP poll? I don't know. Just mention it. I, it's a note I have. This is um, this is a, a mica note right here. No, this is my note. Like I know, but this is a mica note. It's a mica level note. Uh, Utah received thirty-two votes. They're the, not right. The AP poll is so irrelevant once you get to the CFP rankings. True, it's very dumb. BYU's fourteen though. I'm just gonna go ahead and delete this for you. Go ahead, delete it. It's fine. Uh, all right. I think that's all the newsy stuff that I had. Good. We're only like 40 minutes into the show. And we're going to do a Pac-12 Roundup. So we've changed our rankings a little bit, and uh, we'll we'll recap the games from last week. Like I said, uh, Dave went 4-1. and one, I went 3-2. and two. We both had a pretty good week in the uh, picks against the spread. Dave's getting closer to uh, 500. I'm still a waste, but I got some. But I'm making money, which I'm happy about. My bookie has been helping me with that. So I'm, I'm so much more happy about my picks because... Yeah, doubling down on that Oregon game was so glorious. Okay, uh, let's get into our picks. We have a new team at the bottom. A new team at number 12. Stanford Cardinal. <laughs> yes. Uh, they were, uh, you know, playing at home. I thought they probably played pretty well. I went Sue and playing against Utah Utes. Uh, truly terrible. Uh, Stanford looked Awful. And so we did everyone a service uh, last week on the podcast, and I think some people made some money because we brought it up pretty early um, because nobody reads 
no offense to anybody reading from uh, maybe a Stanford news site. Nobody reads the articles that like Stanford beat reporters are writing about Stanford because there aren't any Stanford fans. Yeah. But we occasionally do that service for you. And we informed everyone that Tanner McKee was more than likely out for this game, which meant it was going to be the Jack West experience, which meant no matter what the spread was going to be, you got to bet Utah. And so I had people, I, I mentioned just before the start of the game, oh, you can still get Utah like plus whatever it was, 10 or something, or minus 10. Uh, and it then, was seven and a half when we y- did it. Right. You can still get Utah minus 10. And it was like Jack West is starting the football game. Uh, and somebody messaged me and was like, oh, I got in at like Utah minus 13. Thanks for letting me know. Because <laughs> um, it was obvious what was going to happen. Utah won 52 to seven. Like, and it was. So if. if was it the, that close? No, God, no. Um, so Stanford was able to do absolutely nothing offensively. Uh, Jack West was. You know, Jack West, um, they tried a little bit of wildcatty type stuff. They tried some stuff with Isaiah Sanders. It was just not good. They couldn't get anything done offensively. And then on the other end, honestly, Utah probably could have hung 60 on them if they had just committed to running the ball entirely, like had never thrown the ball at all with Cameron Rising. He was not very effective throwing the ball. They ran, though, for 441 yards on 46 carries. They averaged almost 10 yards a carry. And usually when you see that, it's like, oh, they went for like 200 yards and it was just like no. a, a really explosive game. No, they murdered them. <laughs> 46 carries Three for almost, yards. almost 10 yards a carry is insane. <laughs> and they could have done even worse. Like it could have been really, really, really bad. It felt like every time they were popping a big run, um, Utah just completely demolished them, completely annihilated, didn't need to throw the ball at all. Um I need to start looking into what Utah returns next year because they're kind of evolving into a little bit of a juggernaut in some ways this season, and they get a lot back, I know. I just need to know if it's everything, like if they're returning most of their offensive line because as it stands right now, I mean, Utah, they should go into next year as one of the major favorites in the conference and probably something to be a, a, a national contender. Yeah, and I didn't mention it, but they are number two in our power rankings. We didn't bump them up to one. There was talk. Because they look so good, but Stanford's so bad. Um, Tanner McKee, obviously super important to this team. <laughs> the MVP. The I MVP. Mean, he's our Chase Garbers of yes. a couple years ago. Wow, did they look bad. I, this is the Friday game. Uh, I was in Tempe, Arizona. Uh, well, I was in Scottsdale. And watching a bar in Scottsdale with some buddies. And really involved in this one. I was Every time Utah was scoring, I was just like going crazy. And they're like, well, I'm like, oh, this is my first bet of the week. I want to like start off on a good note, you know. The previous week, it didn't start off that way. And uh, I was just like, this is awesome. Like, oh, my God, it's getting worse. It's like, they're dead. They're dead. Stop. Stop it. They're dead. You know, it was like, yep. and oh, yeah, it just got worse and worse and worse. And it's just all those times. And we got a we got an email from the my uh, Peristyle podcast earlier. Someone just sent in an email that all it said was Stanford is butt. And it was a graphic of like the scores. And they just circled the, the 52 to 7 score. So that's all I got. I was like. Yeah, I feel a little, I, I feel like kind of justified, right? Like, I feel like. Yeah, Stanford's butt. Their butt. Yeah. And I, they're going to finish with a real butt ass record. It's probably going to be four and eight or three and nine. You're not going to have to sing a song at the end of the year. Yeah. That's where we are. Where are we? Where's our, where's our uh, Zodiac Killer? Like, we haven't heard from he, him. He'll, he'll, he'll jump in, I'm sure. Um, if Stanford gets a miracle wait or something. But holy cow, they were bad. Uh, all right. Well, we both got that one right. I didn't. Uh, that would have been a good one to to double up on too. I could have put more money on that one, but I just I wanted to do with the Oregon game, so it ended up working out okay. 
All right. Uh, this one, absolutely crazy. Our number 11 team, they're moving up. Arizona Wildcats. Dang. Uh, they were hosting our now number eight team. California Golden Bears. This was a magnificently awful football game for so long. Um, so it was a scoreless game at halftime. Uh, so Cal, like soccer, kind yeah, of yeah. Thing, so, yeah. so Cal came into this one uh, obviously decimated by COVID. Uh, Ryan Glover was starting. Uh, he's like a Ivy League transfer um, over uh, because Chase Garbers was out, um, and Arizona was Arizona. You know, just what Arizona is. And like, I'm going to steal this from the Solid Verbal because it's it's important <laughs> to do the drive chart uh, for the oh, first half. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Punt interception. Punt 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 interception. Punt 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 punt. End of half. <laughs> like it was so many three and outs. Like it wasn't even like they were like moving it a little bit and right. they had to punt or whatever. Punt from the fifth. There or were something. so many drives <laughs> and so many three and outs. I think it was like the third quarter when one of the teams I forget who actually converted a first a third down for the first time might have been Cal. Yeah, they, Cal was <laughs> on third and fourth down. Cal was one of fifteen. Oh my god! Like, a how do nightmare. you watch that? Because you... the thing was, the thing was, like, end of the day, Arizona dominated this game and should have won bigger. Uh, they had like two bad plays go against them in the first half, which was two picks. Um, but otherwise, like, they they really did handle this game. They were the only team able to move the ball with any consistency. They were just making mistakes. Um, but it was such a like amazingly bad football game until the scoring finally happened in the third and fourth quarter. Arizona won. Uh, you can't take. Uh, I, can't take a ton away from it, except that I think their offensive um, production truly has gotten better. Um, I think Will Plummer is playing with more confidence. The two picks were bad, but he also ran the ball pretty well. Like he, he actually, he was, <laughs> he was Arizona's leading rusher uh, with 68 yards. Um, Stevie Rocker played a lot more in this one, which was good to see. Um, he wasn't very productive, but I like him. Um, and it was mainly just Cal couldn't do anything. I mean, Ryan Glover was ineffective at quarterback. They couldn't run the ball at all, um, and Arizona's defense played really well. But uh, overall, Arizona got its first win in, uh, what, 20 games? Yeah, 20 games, two years, and like a month or whatever since they won a, a game last. Uh, Will Plummer is essentially John McClain. Like, he's like the dude in Die Hard. Like, he's just getting his ass beat. He's bloody. I don't know if he has a right hand anymore. <laughs> he was... He, and you know, jumping out a window with a, a fire hose tied to his waist, <laughs> <laughs> like breaking, shooting the glass, whatever he was doing, unbelievable. Like just the tough man of the year where there's like teammates like tweeting about how tough he was. Things had to come together. I don't know if Arizona falls apart. I don't know if Arizona builds on this. Whatever happens, but they needed something. They, they needed, needed some kind a of win. They desperately needed They should have beat Washington. They didn't beat Washington. Like here now, they get the win. Yes, Cal was decimated by COVID. Without the COVID, I don't think Arizona wins. Like Chase Gar, we, we say Tanner McKee is the MVP. Like obviously Garbers. Like if if Garbers isn't in there, Cal is just look. Cal, it melts. It's Ar- like Arizona yeah. may still have been able to take away the running game. Like they might have been because they were clearly geared to do that. Um, but with Garbers in there, he probably runs the ball. And he probably throws the ball a lot more effectively than Glover. And Cal scores, whatever, 10 more points, 13 more points. Yeah. So it just, you got to be happy, though. Uh, 
Any problem them rushing the field? You cool with that? Or oh, rush the damn field! No, <laughs> rush it, rush it, rush it every time. Every time you win, wins are precious, baby. Especially in Tucson, <laughs> rush it every time you win. So, uh, congrats to Arizona uh, and Cal. Like we mentioned, um, they're gonna miss the game, but hopefully they'll be able to regroup, get the big game. I said the big game, uh, big game, and then Notre Dame, and then USC. So, um, for I'm sorry. That's that was Stanford is going to play Notre Dame. Uh, Jeez, yeah, uh, UCLA and USC for yeah, Cal. Yeah. Okay, uh, our number ten team is Colorado Buffalo. And uh, they were hosting our now number five team. I don't know why I'm up there, but there's nowhere else else to put them. Oregon State Beavers. We might have to start calling them suddenly competent Colorado because yeah. they're no longer in the bottom tier of this league, I think. So if you've been watching closely to Colorado, this the, these if you've been you know paying attention uh, the last two weeks, Colorado's kind of fixed some things offensively. Um, and by some things, I do mean the five guys up front who play on the offensive line, and I do mean just by firing one assistant coach. This is the one of the most absurd developments I've ever seen, because I've always been of the belief that position coaches, like in season especially, they don't really, like they're not really that important. Like they're not really doing that much. They're not like doing a bunch of development in season, or like they're not having that big of an impact outside of whatever uh, the coordinator is deciding to do. But maybe uh, Mitch Rod- Rodriguez uh, got fired. They brought in uh, William Vlachos, I think is his name. And suddenly their offensive line has given up one sack in the last two games after giving up 22 in the first seven games. And they're running the ball effectively. This that seems was tough. That seems better. Yeah, uh, a lot better. And suddenly the offense looks competent. Uh, this game um, was really, really fun. If you had a chance to watch this one, you you got you were in for a good game. Um, Oregon State, Colorado, back and forth the entire way. Um, Colorado was able to move the ball effectively, but so was Oregon State. They they ran the ball really really well. Uh, but th- the thing was, Colorado was finally able to run the ball. Jarek Broussard finally had his breakout game of the season here in Game Nine. Um, ran for 151 yards on 24 carries, and Brendan Lewis not being harassed by pass rushers all game. Didn't look great, but he looked competent. Yeah, uh, was fifteen of twenty four for with three touchdowns. I mean, he's not he's not throwing it downfield. He's mostly dinking and dunking, but um, not making huge mistakes. And the end result was that in overtime, Colorado was able to pull ahead and take the lead and win thirty seven thirty four. But um, big takeaway is I think Colorado's offense is now in the comfortably like below average to average territory, which it needed to be, and. Uh, that should make the final, you know, three games of the season somewhat interesting for Colorado. I would think so. Uh, this was weird. It's, I, Oregon State plays poorly on the road. We've seen that, right? But they they get away from what's making it work. Uh, BJ, you know, Baylor, like he didn't even have a hundred yards in this one. Uh, I thought they could have run him uh, more than they did. They came out throwing, you know, and it just seemed like from the very beginning, you're like, okay, this is not going to be a uh, a recipe for a victory and, and you know Colorado was legit like when you were, you would rely on Colorado just not being able to score but they were able to move the ball like you said they could run the ball they could score Oregon State was hanging around though they had a nice fourth quarter comeback um you know but Colorado had the real offense and that was the one thing we we're like this looks like the worst offense in FBS right mm-hmm. now they look legit and maybe I don't know if it's just- I don't know if legit they look 
they look like an offense again. They don't look yeah. like uh, you know a cruel joke played on Colorado fans. Um, yeah. They look below average. They they don't look great. Brendan Lewis, I think, is still a problem, and I think the offense generally lacks dynamicism, like in the play calling and everything. But they're not like just absolutely hopeless, which is what it was. Yeah. So Oregon State goes up late, and then Colorado, like, so here's why I would say legit or just whatever, like competent. They go on a long scoring drive to yep. take the retake the lead. Like this wasn't uh, well, we had the lead and we just sort of like ran the ball and we we're able to like keep Oregon State like this was they were now down it was late in the game and they responded with a scoring drive like that's like what legit offenses do now the weird thing at the end of the game Oregon State missed that field goal with 32 seconds left and then somehow gets a time expiring 60 <laughs> yarder to send it into overtime like what that what did you make of that whole sequence at the end? Like that was all crazy stuff. I think John Smith went full sicko mode on how he handled that. Um, it was really cool. So they had um, basically they got the ball back with like five seconds to go, and normally in that situation you're going hail mary, but he got them to put I think it was like one extra tick on. It was going to be um, like when they got to the guy tackled, it was going to be like four seconds, and then he got him to put an extra tick on, and he had it timed perfectly to throw a nine yard out to the sideline um, to get nine just extra to, yards, yeah, to just get. enough extra, and you recognize your mile high in Colorado, let's try a 60-yarder, and it went through, and honestly, it would have been good from probably 70. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really masterfully handled, um, You know, getting two opportunities at it, two shots at it. They both had all their timeouts, um, so that was good coaching to keep them in it and give them a chance in overtime, and then they just couldn't pull it off in overtime. Yeah, double OT. Um, Colorado scored 66 points in their last two weeks. They had 71 points in the previous six. Yeah, dude. How crazy is that? Well, yeah, and that Arizona game, if you remember, that was almost all like defense and special teams. Yeah. Like the the last two weeks, it's been real offensive production, which they haven't had since week one, and that was against an FCS team. Yeah. Like they suddenly look like we can score on some bad defenses. Um, yeah, so that was, I mean, absolutely insane. Uh, cr- you know, congrats to Colorado looking like a real team again. You got this one right. I was really upset with Oregon State. I've picked Oregon State like every week, and yeah. I'm probably going to pick them again this week, which makes me mad. But they're they're like they're like fifty fifty. There, I think they're four and four against the spread or whatever. But absolutely. Okay. Uh, let's see our number nine team, USC Trojans. And uh, they were on the road taking on our number four team. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> Nailed this one as well. Uh, didn't look like I was going to for a really long time, though. Because uh, ASU was, what, favored by eight and a half when we picked it? Yeah. yeah. USC and was covering was, the whole way. And it was a point game going into the fourth quarter. And then uh, it was ASU by eight for a while. And I was like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Then it happened. It did. It was beautiful. Made me mad. We were both. We were. This was the late game. We were both three and one. Which you know, good day. And uh, yeah, it was beautiful. U- USC like USC finished the game, three and out, three and out, three and out interception. So like, yeah, that's not a you know little. Well, I was concerned because ASU was grinding that last drive, that last scoring drive. I was like, don't don't do it, Herm. Don't get it down within the ten and then like knee it out, yeah, you that sucker. Is so don't, beautiful. Don't do it. Don't do so it. Good. And thank God he didn't do it. But I was just like. You sicko! Don't do it, because <laughs> it was like a it was like a six minute touchdown scoring drive to ice it. Um, but anyway, 
USC looked bad. Um, ASU's defense, I thought, came to play um, in a way that they maybe hadn't the previous couple of weeks. Um, USC is still doing the very stupid thing where they're playing both Slovis and Dart yeah. um, at quarterback. Neither was effective in this game. Like Both of them look bad, um, and I think part of it is because they neither of them can get in a rhythm whatsoever. Um, and also, their, their passing offense just looks completely out of sync without Drake London. Uh, they don't have... Uh, they haven't developed another true number one option. Uh, Kyle Ford looked uncomfortable out there, honestly. Like, I think he had a drop or two, and he was just not looking too sharp out there. Yeah. I like Gary Bryant, but, you know, I just, they don't have a, another Drake London type on the roster right now. Um, and then running the ball, they just, you know, I think ASU geared up to stop that and kind of forced them to throw without Drake London. Um, and that was, you know, probably the game plan. Uh, ASU on its side just ran the ball. I mean, Rashad White's really, really good, and USC is not a good defense whatsoever, and they probably should have run it even more. Um, they probably they should have definitely just, should have run they, it. More. They should have just crushed the life out of USC on the ground. They didn't, um, but they won by 15 points at home. Who can argue? Yeah, this for me. Uh, I mean, I thought this was poorly coached on both sides. Like this was not well coached. Not this a well coached game. Two teams that were reeling, and just who was going to reel more? That's why I was like, that's why ASU has broken Jaden Daniels though. I will he say looked that. awful. He was like 55%, no touchdowns. They made him so bad. Two interceptions. Whatever they've done to him. Like the, and the picks were bad. Like They were bad picks. And it's just, what's going on, man? It's bad. USC's two-quarterback system was bad. But, I, yeah, I tweeted, like, ASU should, you know, getting Rashard White helped. Like, they, did, they he was out the week before when ASU lost. Like, getting him back was a big deal. Um, you know, he's the one that doesn't fumble. Uh, you know, so that that helps. But he just ran the ball hard. I thought ASU should have ran the ball way more. USC couldn't run the ball. They Keontae Agram had a huge game the week before, but that was Arizona. ASU was stacking the box. Before you could, if you did that against USC, they would just throw all over you. I felt like USC needed to just throw the ball, but they had to pick one. I wrote a column afterwards, just crushing this coaching staff. Like the two quarterback system was not, you know, Steve Spurrier does it. Urban Meyer does it. Like, do you want your interim head coach who's a defensive guy to do it? Like, no. Like this is you have to be an offensive genius if well, you want and to like, make it work. It's not like you're getting like two wildly different things. Like Dart can run, but like you're not getting two entirely different experiences with the two quarterbacks. It's one thing if you've got like one guy who's like your wildcat quarterback and the other one who's like essentially the Tim Tebow Chris Leak system. Yeah. But you're not getting that. Like you're it's two guys who are mostly pocket pasters, but Dart can run a little bit more. Just play Dart. Yeah. They, I kind of feel they're going to going forward, but we'll see. They haven't announced anything yet. Slovis was out this week at practice. We were, you know, like, like I said, we were out there. Um, but now, you know, now they just basically have a bye week and they're getting ready for UCLA. But um, I think they're going to, I think they've, they've tried it for two weeks and it's just not working. So I think they're going to switch back to one, but who knows? I don't know. I mean, they haven't said they're going to, but that's just what my guess would be. Uh, we, we kind of buried the lead the Fox on the field. Like, that was awesome. That was very cool. It was the ESPN game and you got a fox. Yeah. I guess the announcers thought it was a cat. Uh, Chris Trevito next to me was like, is that a cat? And, you know, we're, we're Arizona State, you're a high up in the press box. Like, oh, yeah. You're like a zillion miles up there. So I, we had to pull out the binoculars and like, no, it's a fox. And I guess some people thought it might be a coyote. Like, no, it's a fox. But the thing, when we were watching it, like, it was going on. I think USC went forward on fourth down, like in the opening drive. And the fox was like on the field. Like, it was behind the play. It was weird. But the fact that it ran up in the stands, um, went like 20 rows up, and then somehow came back down and eventually went out the tunnel, uh, it was pretty amazing. Like that, that was like the highlight of my night. What a real commentary on the football game. That was that was a highlight of my night. I loved it. Uh, okay, 
So let's see. We have our number eight team. We already talked about. Oh, no. Yeah, we already talked about California Golden Bears. Uh, this one we have to uh, talk about a little bit. I don't even know why we have them this high, but this is our number seven team. Washington Huskies. <laughs> Everybody's terrible there. They have to have a number, but we they shouldn't be. Where. They shouldn't be that high. We, uh, we screwed up somewhere. Yeah, okay. Uh, and our number one team, Oregon Ducks. <laughs> okay, um, I'm ready to discuss this in a slightly more measured way. Uh, Jimmy Lake should be fired. He should be fired like a gun. He should be like fired into the game. sun. Um, but like beyond right. that, beyond that, beyond that. Uh, yeah. Oregon friggin' dominated this game. The fact that it was close is probably a reflection on Mario Cristobal at some level. Um, it shouldn't have been close. Uh, Oregon absolutely statistically dominated this game. Um, it was it, it it was the makeup, the statistical makeup of a game that they should have won by like four touchdowns. Um, the fact that it was even a one-score game for Jimmy Lake to screw up at the end is an indictment of everyone involved in this hopeless contest. <laughs> Um, Anthony Brown threw yet again, uh, one of the worst picks I've ever seen, um, in this game. It was, uh, then followed by Dylan Morris throwing one that was even worse. Um, he said, hold my beer. Yeah. Quarterback play was awful in this game, but one team could run the ball and they ran it like, I mean, it it was freaky how well they run the, they ran the ball. Travis Dye, Anthony Brown, Byron Cardwell. Uh, combined for 329 yards on 56 carries. If you're only scoring 26 points on that, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, Washington, meanwhile, ran for 55 yards. So they had ineffective quarterback play and only ran the ball 55 yards. Uh, it was really based on essentially a uh, uh, a pick uh, early for uh, for Washington uh, that they returned to the six. Uh, they were able to score a touchdown on, and then from there they were basically hanging on and chipping in like a safety at one point. And it's just, you know, and the safety, like, I don't know, when you saw it, did you think that was a legitimate safety? Oh, yeah. The first, there's two safeties in this game, which is great. Yeah, I thought that was yes, like kind of the, the actual safety, not the one where the long snapper subconsciously <laughs> was protesting against his coward head coach. It was, you know, it is funny. And there's a lot of rain. Okay. A lot of rain in this one. Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was a legit safety, but I didn't watch it like a whole bunch of times or whatever, but okay. it was, it was close, but the, what was it? It was like nine, nothing, I think, or something. It was nine to three, nine to three, uh, with, you know, when we do these games and we pick these ones and this was when I put a bunch of, you know, I put a bunch of money on more units. Sometimes at the beginning you're like, Oh, that's, that's not going to go well. Like throwing that near pick six and then, you know, giving up a touchdown to Washington early then getting pinned at your one and, and giving up a safety um, early on, I still didn't feel like, like usually like, oh, this game's not going to go your way. Like if Oregon had to cover like 20 points or something, it'd be like, okay, this is bad. But the, the spread in this one was still, we had it at under a touchdown. So I didn't feel, I felt comfortable pretty much the entire time just watching this game go, even though Oregon was down early. Um, that was very weird. The, the, the Washington offense was just, Absolutely awful. Travis Dye had a career high. It was over 200 yards. Um, it just, Oregon was just like, I don't know. It just looked like they could have done so much more. They left so many points on the table. They had a third and 33 after like, Oregon was like down there, like in the red zone, I think it was, or just punching on penalties, whatever. Sack. Third and 33. And then they punted uh, from the 49 yard line. 
Instead, they've punted instead of taking a 49-yard field goal. They could have gone up two scores with two minutes left. So I was getting a little worried towards the end. They could have made it a two-score game. Didn't do the 49-yard kick. It wasn't a 60-yard kick. This was a 49-yard field goal, which, you know, more legitimate. And they punted. I don't know what you thought about that one. Yeah, I don't I don't know what their confidence level is in their kicker. Um it was because they had like what an unsportsmanlike uh, unsportsmanlike uh uh conduct penalty and then a personal foul. Yeah, I think that there was knocked them back 30 yards yeah. real quick and it's just dopey shit happening. Yeah. Um so and I mean I think thought the Forsyth one that looked like a really bad call to me. Oh, oh, I should mention. Um I think this is RG3 on this call. I think you yeah, I think so. Awesome. You like him? Oh my god, it was so good. He was like making jokes and stuff. Like there was a masturbation reference at one point what? that he kind of like. So when the I guy, with, the, the guy when the guy with the club for the hand caught the interception uh, from Dylan Morris, the one that was the worst throw in history, um, <laughs> he caught it and he's like, "Oh man, he can't even go to the bathroom by himself and he's able to catch that." And he's like, and then there's like this nervous pause, giggle, and then he's like, "There's a lot of things he can't do by himself." <laughs> It was it was beautiful. No, but he was great because he was calling out the bullshit refereeing the whole time. Um, and at one point, like Forsyth got a unsportsmanlike for like basically just being aggressive on the offensive line, and he was making the point. Well, uh, basically that's a bullshit call, and Mario Cristobal's not going to be unhappy with that. No, you want uh, those guys aggressive. Yes. Uh, then the what you know so uh, Oregon ends up punting instead of kicking the field goal, and then so Washington's pinned deep. And on fourth down, they decide to punt, like as you mentioned, and that was not very a great decision, as you called it. And then a lot of people were tweeting out, that's a bad decision for a school with such academic prowess and stuff like that. A lot of those jokes sort of came out yeah, yeah. when that time. Um, but then Oregon, at the very end, then they were running on him, right? And uh, they run a late TD in, and it gets called back because his knee was down or whatever. They're at the one. They're trying to punch it in and like don't realize that the clock is running. They didn't get set, and the, the clock just runs out. So they win by 10 after the safety or whatever. Um, so that was like, they were going to try to like pile it on. Oh, they should have. Yeah. that and, was. I, but I they screwed up. Like Their bad coaching prevented them from scoring right. a bad decision, touched out at the end of the game. Yeah, it was unfortunate because yeah. it would have been a good. It, I, I, I wanted that to happen to Jimmy Lake after he made that decision. Oh, and then Jimmy Lake punched the player. So that's all that yeah. happened in this game. Or push the player. Yeah, this will be Jimmy Lake's last game coaching at Washington, more than likely. Yeah. Uh, okay, so crazy, 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 and uh, crazy. That was good. But I got that one right, and uh, I, you know, like I said, put a bunch on that. That was good. Okay. Uh, the um, no truck stops. They bet on like over under and stuff, and they'll put different things. So I, I don't know if I should I don't do get that. Into that. No, yeah, no, I, no. I kind of like just like oh, I really feel good about this game. Um, but I was getting a little worried because Oregon just was letting them hang around a little too much. Okay, so we still have our number six team. UCLA Bruins. They were on a bye. We had five Oregon State, uh, four Arizona Arizona State, three we have Washington State Cougars. Also on a bye, and then number two, Utah, and number one, Oregon. All right. Now we're going to do our week 11 picks against the spread. Let's do it. Okay. Um, first up, we've got Utah Utes on the road at the hot, the red hot Arizona Wildcats. An 11 a.m. or on the Pac-12 network, number 24, Utah, traveling to one and eight, one game winning streak, Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Utah is a 24 point road favorite 
Mm. 24 points. Yes. That's many points. That is a lot of points. Um, so I just Arizona just won. I, I'm gonna look hang on. I need to look at Arizona's recent history. Okay. Uh they lost. So first of all, Arizona, outside of a really weird game against Colorado, where they well, actually was weirdly competitive in the first half, here's what they've done since um the fourth week of the season. Actually, go back to have they been non competitive in a game since San Diego State? Except for Colorado, and Colorado was really competitive. It just got weird in the second half. Yeah, that Colorado game was... The only game where they've been non-competitive, like truly non-competitive, was San Diego State. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Like, NAU, they were competitive. They shouldn't have been because it's NAU, but it was a competitive game. Oregon was a competitive game. UCLA was a competitive game. Colorado was a competitive first half. Washington was a competitive game. USC was a competitive game, and Cal, they won. I guess what I'm saying is I'm taking Arizona because it's 24 points. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, and I think Utah's playing really well, and I think they're going to win by a lot. I just, 24 points is a lot of points. I forget who I was listening. I think it was, it might have been the Pac-12, the uh, No Truck Stops, where they were talking about, and I wrote down Arizona, but I feel like this is a Utah team that they're trying to, like, there's a possibility. I think this was, uh, if, for, I, forgive me if it was the wrong podcast. It's a possibility that Utah can make the Rose Bowl if Oregon makes the playoff. It's not, they have to, they before they could take somebody a different school, like from a different conference. Now you have to take like a Pac-12 team, Big Ten team, um, and it's the highest ranked in the college football playoff. They're ranked now, and they want to stay that way. So I feel like they were to go out there and put a beat down on people. That was sort of the logic, and that made sense to me. I'm like, you know, but they but, could put a beat down on Arizona and still not win by 24 points. That's true. Um, and it is on the road. I wrote down Arizona, and I'm I'm contemplating changing it. There's nothing – I hate rooting for, like, covering this huge spread. Like, the Oregon game the other, well, the other week where they won by 23 and they were favored by 24. Utah's, but, Utah's won one game by 24 points this year or more. Yeah. And that but, was last week. But Arizona's bad. Arizona's bad. But they also haven't lost a game by 24 points and since Will the Plummer second week of the season. Could Maybe won't get out of the ICU by the time this game comes around, right? Like he's, True. I assume he's in the hospital. Like he has to be yeah. for then, at least a week. But then we might get Jamaria Joyner. <laughs> Ooh. All right, I'm going to take the points here, too. That's just so many points, you know. It's too many points. But I feel like Utah's now going to win by 40. So. Probably. Yeah. Uh, okay, this one, I can't wait for this one. It's going to be a good one. USC Trojans. It's a weekender, man. They're going up the Bay Area, taking on California Golden Bears. <laughs> COVID canceled or postponed. Um, yeah, so we don't get that one. But it will be, uh, we, we got an extra game to you know for a championship week. Wonderful. Yeah, one more game to do that. Okay, uh, next up. Stanford Cardinal. They got to go up to Corvallis, take on Oregon State Beavers. At that classic kickoff time at two of 2.30 p.m. on the Pac-12 network, Stanford traveling to Oregon State. Oregon State's a 12.5-point home favorite. Uh, do we have any word on Tanner McKee for this game? Um, crap, I had it as 11 before. It's moving the wrong direction. Uh, the- questionable, questionable. All right, give me Oregon State. Yeah, I'm taking Oregon State, too. When I wrote this down originally, it was um, it was like eleven, but yeah. So it, 
and it's probably not going to be Jack West, according to uh, Jackson Moore with a, a tweet I saw him earlier in the week. It was another guy, some other freshman or something. Isaiah Sanders? Uh, maybe. I don't think. Who knows? Was it him? I don't think it was him. I don't thought it was that name, but yeah, it doesn't look like Tanner's going to play. Um, 12 and a half, whatever. I'm oh, Ari Patu. Okay. Ari Patu. Um, yeah, whoever that is. Maybe he's better. But I'm Give me th- Oregon State. Yeah, I'm going to take Oregon State. Oregon State, I've picked you every week. But this is home. You fired the defensive coordinator. Uh, the defense is going to get way better. Stanford is um, butt, like we talked about. Uh, they have been upgraded to ass. Stanford is ass. <laughs> is that an upgrade or a downgrade? Whatever. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll both take uh, the beeves. All right. Fresh off a win, we got Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> On the road, taking a team that we have ranked way too high. Washington Huskies. <laughs> 4 p.m. on FS1, ASU traveling to Washington. ASU is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I am not confident in Jaden Daniels, and I am not confident in ASU's staff, but Washington's ass. So give me ASU on the road by five-and-a-half. I like ASU as well. Um, Washington is just so bad. They're really bad. And I don't know if we get... I, I can't take sight unseen the fact that John Donovan and Jimmy Lake won't be there. Maybe that helps a lot. I have no idea. I think Bob Gregory is the interim, though. Mm. Ugh. So yeah, give me give me give me ASU. The fact that Richard White's back, I think that helps. Like I still think ASU was poorly coached. They were bad, and they the only reason they were successful last week is USC's terrible. But their defense is pretty good, and I think it showed up. Yeah, and so, I and the defense should travel. Um, I don't really like it. I don't love it. Points. I, I don't love it, but I'm taking ASU. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just think just Washington's that bad. Uh, all right, let's go. We got Colorado Buffalo. On the road, taking on UCLA Bruins. 6 p.m. are on the Pac-12 Network. Colorado traveling to UCLA. Way too many goddamn points. UCLA's favored by 17. Give me Colorado. That's so many points. I had it at 16 and a half, and now it's 17. Like I think this is one I'm going to put multiple units on, if that makes sense. For like, Colorado? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a lot of points. Colorado it's a lot of points. And points frankly, now. like if you've been watching the last two weeks, there's not that much separation between these two teams. Like Colorado's offense is like somewhere in the average range the last couple of weeks. And their defense has been decent at times in the same way that UCLA's has been like decent ish at times. But I think Colorado's has had bigger peaks than UCLA's defense has had. And UCLA's offense has been scuffling a little bit more of late. So, yeah, no, I think this is going to be much more like a one-score game than a three-score game. All right. So we'll both go on color. We've agreed on every one. Crap. This is uh, – I'll have to pick different from the last one. But uh, next up, this is the game of the week. Washington State Cougars. <laughs> on the road, taking on. Oregon Ducks. <laughs> All right, so this one's on at 7.30 on ESPN. Washington State traveling to number three, Oregon. Oregon is a two-touchdown favorite, 14 points. Um, So here's what we've seen from Washington State here in the post-Rolo era. They played a competitive game against BYU at home, lost by two. And then they beat ASU's ass on the road, 34-21. And ASU, I don't know if we were overreacting. They might be pretty good. And Washington went in there and beat the hell out of them. Washington State did, yeah. Washington State, sorry. Give me the Cougs. Yeah. Damn it. So wh- we were agreeing on every one. Um, 
We just guaranteed an 0-5 week, you know by the way. Here, I'm going to switch my Utah one. I'm going to I'm going to take Utah. All right, yeah, you're on cool? the fence. What the hell? All right, not? I'll go because uh, otherwise we've agreed. I'll and, take, you, and you got to make some ground up. I'm just trying to get get. I'm trying to make money now. I don't like before. It was like you. Now I just want to make money. It, it's suddenly how the priorities change when you're down by three games here at this point in the season. Right. Uh, but I'll, yeah, so give me the Utes. Um, and well, yeah, I'm going to take Washington state as well. Like Oregon has not been good at covering big spreads, you know, they just have it. Um, so that like last week it was a sing, you know, with single digits, I had no problem taking Oregon. Washington state's a legit team. Uh, Jim Delora, I think still leads the league in touchdown passes, right? Like, um, if They've not. looked so fine that I mean Oregon like it doesn't it seems like they're like allergic to blowing teams out. Um, yeah, Oregon doesn't do that, and Washington State is very good at not being blown out. So. Right, they, they, like they even gamely tried to keep Colorado in the football game. So uh, yeah, I think Washington State being a competent football team, they should be able to play this within seven or ten points. Should I put a unit on the money line for this one Ooh. for Washington State? Ooh. I wonder, is this the bad vibes game of the week on the uh, no truck? Oh, no truck uh, I think she had two. <laughs> I don't remember. I, she might have been. Um, she hadn't been right though. Like the like the Oregon game. She gave like Oregon like bad vibes last week, and they looked terrible. But they Washington the was bad so vibes bad. were not enough to overcome. Overcome Jimmy Lake. Yeah, <laughs> that's so bad. Uh, I don't remember. I think Avery might have put this one down. Um, anyway, okay. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. Still got to do a bunch of questions. Crap. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer your questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Ryan full on tried to end the show before we even got to like 25 questions. Do we have that many? It's so many, dude. Okay. Uh, Hold on. I want to play this drop because I love it. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God. This is always death. So good. Um, We got two voicemails. You want me to play one of those to start? Sure. All right. We'll play one. Hey, guys. This is Evan from Tempe. I remember I, I called like in the beginning of the off season about my uh my thing about how I don't think Herm is a good coach. Um and obviously I still don't think he's a good coach. And I remember Brandon Huffman was saying that he's not a bad recruiter. He was just focusing on other things. That's why his classes were bad. And so when he got the fifty second class in the country, that actually wasn't terrible. And I've heard a lot of takes like that, so I'm not trying to call out your boy Brandon Huffman, but I keep hearing that. But what exactly else is he changing? What What is it that he's changing that he can be terrible at recruiting because he's changing other things? And what is it? Because all I see is him cheating and not winning at all and not doing anything better. He's at the 28th class, the 24th class, the 52nd class, and now the 93rd class. He's a legitimately horrible recruiter, and he's doing it while cheating. And then like, he's a great guy. Well, I'm a great guy too, honestly. I didn't get the call for to be ASU's head coach. You know, a lot of people think I'm a great guy. I still didn't get the call, so that has nothing to do with anything. I just want to know what has he done that? What was it that he was supposed to be doing outside of recruiting that made him good? Thank you. All right, that's a wonderful point, Evan. And I want to make this point very clear because this is the same kind of shit you heard at the beginning of the Chip Kelly era. Uh, When you hear that, uh, the head coach, it's a good class for what he's doing because he's focusing on like development and all this other shit. You know what it means? means the head coach doesn't like to recruit and doesn't want to do it. <laughs> That's what that means. Uh, you, you know it's like a commonality among all of the best coaches in college football? They all recruit their asses off 100% of the time, 24-7, no days off, absolutely psycho, like just pure psychopath behavior. Like they are solely focused on recruiting. Uh, Nick Saban recruits like a maniac. Dude is like 71 years old, has won more national titles than God, and he still recruits like he's a low-level assistant in like you know, bumfuck nowhere, um, because that's just what he does. Hmm. Uh, the best coaches do that. Um, so Herm didn't want to do that because he came from the NFL. That's basically the gist. Um, and clearly all they were focused on was um, cheating and putting in their new, new program model, yeah. new, new new development model, new leadership model. What was yeah. it? Uh, new leadership model. And then what was the, uh, it's not, it wasn't an investigation. It was a review. Yes, of course. Certainly right. not an investigation. We wouldn't want to call it that. They're doing a review. Yeah. Review no, Evan, of your cheating. You're, you're dead right. Your, your instincts are all correct, Evan, Evan. The good thing is you only have four more games. Yeah, and then it'll be over. And it'll, it'll be over. I think it's coaching carousel. Is that? Yes. Okay. Casey Graham. Uh, hey, guys. Casey from Tacoma. Given Dickert at Washington State seems to be doing good in the interim and thinking what the future of our program's coach may be given its identity, I was thinking of some fits spiritually in the Pac-12 with forthcoming and possible openings. USC is a program that continually trips over itself in scandal and carelessness. So naturally, Hugh Freeze. <laughs> okay. UCLA recently attuned to coaches who blazed with a glorious innovation over a decade ago. So bring on Gary Patterson once Chip is gone. Uh, you like that? No. He has a statue, by the way. Uh-huh. Cal seems stuck in a time loop of mediocrity. So Justin Wilcox again. <laughs> Arizona wants to change management and dynamic uh, managerial synergy. 
within coaching and increasing energy, increased energy while actually looking in an NFL retirement home. So Mike Holmgren, I like that. Arizona won't, uh, but consider just sticking with Mr. Potato Head out there or one of those air wiggly guys you see in used car lots. Colorado won't either, but consider just putting up one of those old school technical difficulty signs as they use on TV from back in the day at all entrances to the stadium. Washington, boring, aging offense that gets progressively worse by year, by the year. With a mandatory body of water, welcome Coach Philip Rivers. And a side note, Kuanovic. Kuanovic. With the Q, I guess. Because yeah, um, he's a QAnon. QAnon. Karod- okay. Right. Kuanovic picked uh, a lawyer with a 2 a.m. TV ad with his tin hat on. You think he was watching Ancient Aliens, X-File reruns, or Ghost Hunters. He seems like a Ghost Hunters guy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like real, like there's a real aspect of like, we're really hunting ghosts. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. All right. This is from uh, Howard. P12 player who made it unexpectedly big in the NFL. Stanford's undrafted Doug Baldwin became a two-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl winner. That's a good example. Oh, I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I'll read this next one, too, because that one was short. This is from Mike in Santa Clarita. Human sheep coat. Hey, Ryan and Dave. In the most recent podcast, you had a message from a listener asking about the meaning of Drake London's nickname as the human sheep coat. Although this name intrigues me to no end, the announcers in the SC Arizona game were actually referring to Drake London being a human cheat code, as in a reference to a video game cheat code, a.k.a. his talent being unreal. I will admit it was fun listening to the two of you try to work out what a sheep coat might represent. (laughs) Great work. Thank you both for making this historically bad season more tolerable. I'm going to say we probably should have been able to figure that one out. We've, yes, very much so. <laughs> I mean, like, what? Like, first of all, like, we are like Anchorman. We're just reading what's on the prompter. Not always reading it correctly, but we're reading it. And that's what they said. So we're like, uh, yeah. And I, to be fair, I told you I never heard of him being called the human sheep code. I also haven't been heard, heard him called the human sheep code, but that would make more sense. Uh, this is Do It Drunk from uh, Jonathan. Hey, dudes. On last week's podcast, you guys were drinking beer while recording. We still have two beers in the fridge. Can I respectfully request that the next time you crack them open a little earlier so you record the show drunk? I think this would be awesome. I predict Ryan would be all surly and picking fights while Dave would get all podcast whiskey dick and not even be able to perform. I am to be, I'm a super fun drunk. I'm more of a, I'm a very just laughing. I laugh my ass off. I'll say the same thing like over and over again. I'm. Very rarely would I be a mean and a drunk thing. I'm I'm a very happy. Everyone loves me when I'm drunk. Our friend Juan has me read perfectly. Is that you? I am. Um, so if I'm just like <laughs> BSing around, I can maintain for a good long while. But if I'm having to do something functional, no, no, no. Like you could probably even tell. Like I had one or two beers and I was like slurring on the podcast <laughs> last week. Like it's no. I, I so some people can write when they've been drinking. I, I cannot. Like I cannot perform any functional use whatsoever. Yeah. Not that that's much different from me sober. As my brain as I got older, like I I wouldn't say blackout. I don't get sick. I can get hammered and I don't get sick. I don't throw up anymore. But hours of time are a race for my memory. Like I have to look at my phone to see what pictures are there yeah. or ask friends or look at receipts. Like that's very common now. Like I don't remember stuff. Like, yeah, that was me in college. Really? Um, and my excuse then was it was college, um, you know, when many people develop low-level alcoholism for a short period of time. Um, 
but yeah, no, I, I I don't get sick either. But that's part of the problem. You want to be able to get yeah. sick because it actually prevents you from you know feeling the ill effects the next day as much. And also on the front end, like some people throw up after just drinking, like before you get to the hangover part. That's yeah. also good. You should. Do you want to be able to do that. I used to do that like in college, but I like no matter how drunk I get, pass. I, I've I don't, never I've I don't never gotten sick. sick. Really? Ever. Oh, I used to. And I, don't I mean, except for like the low level alcohol poisoning from the hangover the next day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. All right. Yeah. Fun. If, <laughs> and I try to tell myself, don't drink that much. Don't, and I mm-hmm. still do. You know what's interesting about drinking? What? It impairs your judgment. <laughs> so that first fear that it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. 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 So maybe do that. Okay. If nothing else, uh, I think it would be worth So my, my whole line on drinking is I don't drink often, but when I do, I drink it all. <laughs> I don't do it all, but I mean, yeah. Good. Hopefully you went home after the show and got drunk, too. No, wouldn't uh, do that. If nothing else, I think it would be worth trying on the chance it would actually improve the show quality. It can't get any worse, right? Fair. Also, determining if alcohol equals a better podcast would make a great case study and cause versus effect for Washington fans. We need to make sure they are intellectually stimulated. Got to maintain that academic prowess. Look forward to hearing Ryan drunkenly slur. Kedon Slovish, uh, long live Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe, and go Utes, Juan Noel. Love it. All right, it's from Paul Webfoot. Uh, Two-team in-state term- tournament. Uh, salutations, champions. Uh, I have a fun hypothetical, but first, a joke. Did you hear? Tucson is building a new stadium at an undisclosed location. They're keeping it a secret because they're afraid the Wildcats might find out and try to play football there. <laughs> this was before their big victory. Yes. Uh, anyways, looking across the college football hellscape this year, I was wondering if Oregon and Oregon State were one of the better in-state pairs of football teams this year. Alabama and Auburn are probably the best, but I feel like the next tier is more open. The Iowa and Michigan schools would be up there, and you could add in Florida and either Miami or a directional Florida school of your choice, but where would the Pac-12 states rank? All this the best two teams from each state in the footprint, and you tell me if you think they would make it to the Elite Eight or better in a 32-entry playoff uh, where both schools play against the two best schools from an opposing state in each round. Feel free to make substitutions if you don't like my school picks for each state. Uh, Colorado and Colorado State, nope. No. Uh, ASU and Northern Arizona, nope. nope. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Utah and BYU, yeah, oh, yeah. Would they both make ranked. an elite eight? They're both ranked. Yeah. yeah, but think about like the southern states that we're talking about. Alabama and Auburn would be good. Mississippi, I mean, Mississippi Florida's state. Florida's got nothing. Mississippi, Mississippi State. Mississippi, that would be legit. Uh, Who does Texas, Georgia have? Georgia Texas would have like and A and M. Yeah, Georgia. Or Baylor and AM. Yeah, Baylor and AM. Georgia and Georgia Tech, or I don't even know if Georgia Tech's any good, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Um, South Georgia- Carolina and Clemson. Ugh. No, they're both bad. Uh, North Carolina and Wake Forest. Wake Forest just lost. Um, but yeah, they would be up there. But I think BYU. BYU and Utah, yeah, definitely. Now that you're going through it, it's obvious. Uh, Fresno State, San Diego State. Which is funny, but also true. <laughs> it is true. They wouldn't do well, no. Uh, Oregon and Oregon State? I think they might. They might make an Elite Eight. Yeah, but Oregon State's just been so bad. Like They haven't been that bad. I mean, they've on the been, road. They've been good they've been enough. Been, yeah. I think they, they maybe make it. And then Washington State, Eastern Washington, no. Yeah. So I think two of these. Uh, sorry, but not sorry for the long email. It's really your fault for agreeing to read whatever we send in. Your one true love, Paul Webfoot. Thanks, Paul. Uh, why don't we go um, to our other voicemail? Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, I know Dave has already made his, his thoughts kind of clear on this, uh, kind of in a joking matter. So I guess his question is for 
more so for Ryan, but I was wondering, based on what has happened so far performance-wise, but then also what happened uh, with Jimmy, like, you know, hitting the player against Oregon, I was wondering if, if really, if you guys really think that uh, the, the right course of action for Washington is, is that they should fire Jimmy Lake. Yes, um, you know, it, it just sounds like there's been mixed reactions. I want to know if you guys think that, that actually he, he should be done now as opposed to waiting. Um, and then also, as of me calling this, um, Cal Berkeley's basketball team has lost to UC San Diego, who just joined Division One basketball. And so, Dave, I was wondering, uh, what do you think is a harder rebuild right now, Arizona football or Cal basketball? Thanks, guys. Basketball stuff. Okay, real quick. So, yeah, I think, you know, Jimmy Lake, given the game suspension, he was trying his hardest out there. He's competing. You know, long live Jimmy Lake. He's going to be around for a while. Punt on fourth down when you're down. Oh, like, oh. just. I will reach over. Okay. There. No, good. No, he should be fired. I agree. He should with be that. fired immediately. Um, as for the rebuild stuff, it's always harder to rebuild in football than it is in basketball. Basketball, like if you get one good recruiting class, you can be decent, and then if you get two in a row and you actually build the program a little bit, it can turn around pretty quickly. Arizona is going to take a while. Like he needs to really overhaul the talent in the program. Needs to make sure that his schemes are the right schemes to fit that. He's a first year coach. Like it's going to be a long time before they're even decent again. So, yeah, basketball is always going to be easier. Like, it just always is because of the just number of guys you have to have on the roster. Um, if you cheat a little bit properly, you'll get some guys on the roster. And then, I mean, Cal's not that far removed from having, like, a, a class that included, like, Jalen Brown, uh, who's now with the Celtics. Like, you can get some guys at Cal. Um, there's enough of a, like, interest in Cal basketball that there's money involved that you can, you know, make the right things happen. Should you like hire your rival coach from, you know, before? Like, did you ever do that? Is that a good idea or no? I mean, Cal did it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I know something about basketball. Look at you. Uh, we had a text message. Uh, the Pac 12 refs just gave Arizona a 30 yard penalty because one of their coaches had a toe on the white on the sideline. This allowed Cal out of third and 10 from their own goal line in the fourth quarter of a 3 3 tie. Is this the most Pac 12 moment ever? Can we please pull Jay Shirts out of retirement? Sturt, what was his name? That's the glasses ref, Grace Jay Stritchard. Stritchards, or is it no? Is that how they said? I think so. Um, out of retirement and get his take on the call. You can tweet him at glasses ref. This was ridiculous. I, I, I can't believe I didn't remember to talk about this. Um, we had a chance at that game finishing five to three. Um, Arizona had him backed up and almost got a safety, and then they bailed him out completely on a bullshit call down the sideline where like the ref, like barely impacted a coach and then threw a flag on Arizona. It's complete horseshit. So it was a 15 yarder. And then Don Brown yelled him, yelled at him about him and gave him another 15. Okay. That's, I wasn't sure why the, so the, the ref, I saw the ref. It looked like he got, he was running and I I get it. Like you're running up the sideline. Usually there's a warning first. Okay. It happens. Like guys are getting excited on the sideline, but it wasn't like he was on the field. Like he's yeah. just in the white. It was bullshit. It did, but then it became it, it 30 yards. Us, it kept us from seeing five to three as Arizona's first win. That, that does make me mad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's another text message from Brent, a very depressed Beavers fan. Uh, why can't Beaver fans ever have anything nice? Beavers are now one and four on the road. What would make a team play so much worse in the road versus at home? Thoughts on this all being a plan to somewhat make Smith look worse so that he won't get as many offers to leave. Love you guys. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's... So I, I made this point. I think you might have been the last one to email about this, actually. But, like, they're not... Look, so the teams that they've gotten on the road were um, 
Purdue, which has turned out to be decent. Then they beat the hell out of USC on the road. And then they played Washington State on the road. Turned out to be decent. Cal on the road, I mean, it's not going to look decent at the end of the year, but Cal was playing pretty well at that time. And then Colorado, which fixed its offense, unfortunately, the previous week. You can thank Oregon for that. Um, I don't know if there's like an overarching narrative. I think they've played, um, you know, they played Hawaii and Idaho at home and Washington. Um, and then I think the one data point is they beat Utah at home, um, but they also beat the hell out of USC on the road. It's just like, I think the opponents on the road were generally a little bit tougher than the opponents at home. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And then, you know, just the vagaries of, uh, of pactual scheduling. But I would make again, the overarching point is that Oregon state good year. It's going to be a good year. Like I know this was probably one of the wins that you were counting on to get to seven and five, but Stanford's probably going to be a win. And then, I think a fair to decent chance to win one of ASU or at Oregon. So yeah. I think it's still a pretty decent chance at seven and five. And I think if you had if you'd been told at the beginning of the year we're going seven and five, you would have been like, Hell yeah, sign me up. So I think you should still kind of feel that way right now. Yeah. You're not trying to lose games so people don't hire a coach. Right. No, not you're trying to make a bowl. Right. Uh the fifth of the day, cum florit fundit. I don't know what that is. Says, I think it's very sweet how you boys help each other out when in, uh, encountering an unfamiliar word, such as last week when David was struggling to describe Kirk Herbstreet's relationship to Lee Corso, uh, aphasia, and Ryan gently suggested caregiver. A touching turnabout. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, what exactly was the quote, one weird trick that technically prowess defensive mind? Jimmy Lake had when David imagined he would limit Oregon's scoring. Was it a weather machine? Turbo punting? Michael Mothershed? Mothershed. Yeah. yeah. A, I think that's what I said. Yeah, yeah no, but that's, oh, that that's was my it? answer to the question. Oh, oh, Michael okay. Mothershed. Um, yeah, so if you say something that you think can work against Oregon, Hitler Day is going to call you on it. Like, hey, You know what worked against Oregon? Uh <laughs> Taking a bunch of penalties because your coach hasn't taught him any discipline because Hitler Day. Say it with me now. He's Jim Mora. All right. Uh, this is from Chase, Colorado, da 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 offense. Hey, guys. Uh, CU fan here. Having watched the Buffs offense the last two games after watching the first seven early returns, suggests that former CU offensive line coach Mitch Rodriguez was one of the worst coaches in history. <laughs> in the two games since his firing, Brendan Lewis has looked anywhere from passable to good as a Pac-12 quarterback. Seven total touchdowns and no interceptions. And the offensive line has looked like a different unit with one sack allowed in two games and a 222-yard rushing attack against Oregon State. My question is, can one assistant coach really have that much of an impact? Has the Colorado offense gone from the worst offense in college football to a decent one, all because they got one man out of the building? Or is this just a random two-week blip? Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. I really think it is because of the assistant coach, and I would not have thought that prior to. I would not have thought that like just firing an offensive line coach would have that much of an impact, and it apparently did. Like, I don't think that just changes because of a blip. I think that's real. It's so bizarre. Um, I... Obviously, that's something to do with it, but I think it's it's also about like, hey, here's what's going. Like, this is changing. We're not going to be the worst offense ever. Could it be like Carl Durrell is like, all right, I'm I'm taking my hands out of this, or I, I don't know, or is he, was he involved? Or maybe he's shoved his hands deep into it. Maybe it's even more. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's 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 the weirdest thing because they were like the worst unit 
in the Pac-12, if not the country. And now, yeah, they're very passable. Like they're better. So true. Very strange. All right, this is from Nick. It's a question for me, uh, David. You can answer too. So I guess it's not a question for me. Wow. He just lied to me, right? That's he did lie to you. Uh, <laughs> right. You've said in the past that the Pac-12 would not be relevant unless USC is relevant nationally. David disagrees uh, with you. Let's play out a scenario. Here's the final standings of a Pac-12 season, hypothetically speaking. So you have Washington 12-0 and with wins over Michigan and North Carolina. Well, this is really just like, this just made this up. Oregon 10-2 with wins over Ohio State and Cincinnati. Um, Oregon State is 9-3. Washington State's 9-3. Stanford 6-6. Six six, Cal 5-7. The South, Utah's 11-1. Arizona's 10 and 2, UCLA's 8 and 4, Colorado's 7 and 5, ASU's 5 and 7, and USC's 3 and 9. Are you telling me the Pac 12 would not be relevant? Uh, I guess we can start with that. And he has one last thing. Um, what do you think, David? This is a question for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it depends on a lot of things, but the Pac 12 could very well not be very relevant depending on what's going on. Are you fucking kidding? If they had two teams that were if they had two teams that were 12 and 0 and 11 and 1 at the end of the season, they would be relevant no matter what. Uh, if they had four teams with 10 wins or more, they'd be relevant. Uh, the point he's making, which is a good one, is that it does not require USC to be good for the Pac-12 to be relevant. That's a, and I don't think that's even what you said. Um, that's not what I said. What what it is is it requires the Pac-12 requires elite teams. The team in the in the league that's most likely to be elite in any given year is USC. So the shorthand way of saying it is, wow, USC really has to be good because they have the best chance of being consistently good in the league because of the talent base. But that's why. It's not because of like this aura around USC because right. the, the league was super relevant when Oregon and Stanford were dueling because they were both elite programs. Um, the Pac-12 just doesn't have an elite program right now because Chris Peterson decided to walk away from Washington Mario Cristobal is Jim Mora, um, and and USC has uh, frittered around with Clay Fel with Clay Helton. Uh, UCLA has uh, continued its twenty uh, two year journey into mediocrity. ASU hired Herm Edwards, and nobody else has a real chance. Um, you know, it's just they need there needs to be an elite program, um, and USC with this next hire has a chance of doing that. Um, just by, literally just by hiring the right coach, USC has a chance of doing that. Uh, yeah. Because it's USC, because USC can recruit at a top five level. I guess it's hard to look at this because and take it seriously, because I get I get you. Utah eleven to one. Washington twelve and zero. No, no, no. Sorry. Buddy. Oregon ten to two. That's fine. Arizona ten to two. Arizona ten to two, and Washington twelve and zero. Like it's hard to like. This is like more like fantasy land than what's going on. If that well, happened, we are, we are only five years removed from Washington truly. Yes, going like the other way. One. 12 and 1. Yeah. Or 2016, baby. They were in the playoff. 0 oh, and 12? Yeah. How many years is that? Like, that that's was, not that far either. That was 13. Okay. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, this is sort of like, feel like fantasy land, uh, but whatever. He said, by the way, Dave, on broadcast, you said you weren't sure the last time UCLA and USC head coaching jobs were open the same year. I believe it, uh, I think it means was the year Donahue was hired. For the good guys, and Robinson was hired for the ketchup and mustard from right. Nick. Cool. So, like 1976. 
All right, this is from John, Pac-12 Coaching. Dear Ryan and the other guy, what in the hell has happened to Pac-12 Coaching? Back in the 90s, the conference had Dick Tomey at UA, uh, Bruce Snyder at ASU, Terry Donahue at that place in LA, John Robinson at USC, Bill Walsh at Stanford, Mike Bellotti at Oregon, and Don James at UW. Granted, all those coaches weren't always great, but they all had great teams at some point, minus Stanford, who had a legitimate great coach. Jesus, ASU came within one minute and 20 seconds of winning a national title. I would take any one of those coaches over any coach currently leading any of these teams, and I'll add the funny line, which is, and some of them are dead, and I would still take them. <laughs> uh, does the conference lack commitment, resources, both, or something else? Love the show, but I always feel dumber after each episode after having listened to it. I'll give it five stars, but like I said, I'm not very smart anymore. Thanks, John. Um, no, I, I think at this point, it's been a lot of bad hires. I think in the future, it may be a lack of resources that prevents them from hiring good coaches, but I think right now... At the lowest schools, maybe, like I think Darrell was sort of a budget higher, but even still, they paid him like $3 million. Um, I think they've just made bad decisions. Like I think they've had a lot of bad hires made. Um, and I think Washington, it was somewhat justifiable. They went with a continuity hire. Uh, ASU, they were trying for that new leadership model. And oh, yeah, Ray Anderson was Herm Edwards' agent. Um, you know, it was like a lot of stupid stuff like that. But I think it's just been. You know, one of the marquee openings in the last five years, I, I, I realize I'm, I'm, I'm putting air quotes around marquee, but uh, one of the marquee openings in the Pac-12 in the last five years was UCLA. They hired Chip Kelly, and that should have worked. Like it did it not. should have, and it did not. Really did Four more years, we'll see. Yeah. It, yeah four more years of it. We'll but, see. like, Oregon has fended off entreaties for Mario Cristobal. Like, there isn't a reason why the top programs in the league are not the top program, or are not among the top programs nationally, aside from bad hires. The problem is Colorado has Carl Durrell as the head coach. Yeah, but Colorado isn't – I guess my point is but, there, there's reasons in the middle and at the bottom where you can make arguments about resources. But the problem is USC, UCLA, Washington have made bad head coaching decisions. True. And Oregon has saddled themselves with somebody who I think is good but not great in Mario Cristobal. And someone might hire him away. But I'm saying like for Colorado – not only did you lose Mel Tucker, who you went on a limb on, right? Like he was only a coordinator, not only, but he he was never head coach. He's five and seven at your program. Like you should keep that guy because who's going to hire him away? Michigan State hires him away and pays him a truckload of money. And like, what do you do? Now you're stuck with Carl Durrell. Like I, if you do make a good hire, and people identify it like you're gone, like you're, you're screwed. But, but you can't make that as a blanket statement about the Pac-12. I think that's a statement about Colorado. Like I think Colorado is resource strapped, like specifically that school. And also, I mean, earmuffs, Colorado fans, earmuffs. It's a moribund program. Like they, they haven't been good in forever. Um, they had one good year with Mike McIntyre. And other than that, it's been a disaster program um, for al almost 15, 20 years now. So... Mel Tucker, like when you're looking at that, it's like Michigan State's a clear step up from that because Colorado, yeah. there's, there's no potential there. Um, but if he if he had been at, here's the thing, if ASU had made the Mel Tucker hire, right? Like say somehow the timing had worked out where they made the Mel Tucker hire. I don't think he leaves for Michigan State that quickly because at Tempe, in Tempe, you can actually consistently, and especially with the energy he was going to be putting it into it, you can consistently recruit at a top 20 level if you've got somebody who's that dynamic and really good at recruiting and really focused on it. And I don't think he then leaves as quickly as he did for Michigan State. Uh, Colorado. Um, would Colorado fans be happy if, like, LSU hires Mel Tucker and steals him away from Michigan State? Like, would they feel, like, justified? Like, ha, 
Well, and that would that would signal to me that Mel Tucker's priority there is not necessarily the money, but the opportunity to win at the highest level. Yeah. All right. Uh, that was a voicemail. I think we're Jay New York. Is that next? Uh, Go Ducks question. First, I'm a Utah fan. Uh, if my hope is that Utah makes it to the first Rose Bowl game, should I be rooting for Oregon to beat Utah and Salt Lake City in two weeks? My logic is if Oregon c- continues to only have one loss heading into the Utah-Oregon championship game, then Utah will go to the Rose Bowl no matter the outcome. If Oregon wins, they'd go to the playoff and Utah to the Rose Bowl. If Utah wins the championship game, even better, then Utah obviously goes to the Rose. If Utah beats Oregon in two weeks, however, Oregon would be eliminated from the playoff and Utah would have to beat them again to go to the Rose Bowl. Beating Oregon twice in four weeks seems unrealistic. What do you guys think, Jay in New York? P.S. You're welcome for the paragraphs. Jay, can I ask you a question? I realize you're not going to provide an answer because this is a podcast. It's a one-way He can't hear form. you yet. Have you watched Oregon this year? And have you watched your own team? Beating Oregon twice in four weeks eminently possible so oregon is one of and hitler day earmuffs i know you're listening to this on like 3x speed but earmuffs real quick oregon's one of the most overrated teams in the country like if you look at their advanced stat profile they should be like a top 30 top 40 team not a top whatever 14 three um utah can absolutely beat them and probably should be favored if it's at home um like they're they're right there with oregon and if not like maybe a, a little bit better so, uh, no, I think it's totally realistic to beat them twice, and I don't think you should ever be rooting for a loss when your team is good. Um, so, you know, people got into this when uh, Jim Mora's first year, uh, they had Stanford back-to-back games in six days at the end of the year. Um, they had to play them once, and then they had to play them again in the Pac-12 championship game, and it was like, do you throw one and then, you know, kind of, you know, rope-a-dope them or something? And they might have done it. They kind of did, maybe. Um, but... No, I don't think you. I don't think you lose a game for strategic reasons here. It's you only get so many finite opportunities. Utah, I think you've got a chance at like having a double-digit win season. Go for that, and if uh, the chips fall where they may, and you end up in the Rose Bowl, that's awesome. But just have the best season you can. And again, I, I want to look at the roster for next season, but um, I think they have a chance to be really good next year too. Yeah, uh, I would say look at the schedule remaining. Utah's got you know at Arizona. Oregon at home, and then Colorado at home. I mean, you have like basically, you don't have to pay attention to the Arizona game or the Colorado game. You can just focus on the the Oregon game. I mean, I think Oregon Oregon's going to go into Salt Lake City and lose. I think you know, I I don't think you want to. You're going to probably be favored, like you said, in that game. Yeah, I don't think you want to go out and lose that one, Jay. But yes, it would suck if you end up losing in Las Vegas and then don't get to go to the Rose Bowl. But um, you've won the division twice. You're going to win it a third time. Now it's time to win the conference. So just try to win the conference. All right, this is from Earl and Torrance. Uh, fire Justin Wilcox. Guys, no, don't fire him for his lousy record, but for failing to have enough players to practice due to COVID-19 infections. I thought they were smart in Berkeley. Haven't they learned how to be safe after 20 months? Now USC must play another terrible game in December. We want the season to end, not go on endlessly. An irate Trojan fan. I love the angle. Yes, absolutely. There's a there's a legit reason, like, if you're a USC fan, you don't want the season to continue you just want to move on even making a bowl would be questionable but the players say they want to go so the at least the ones we talked to nobody wants to watch this usc football team play anymore football. they're not good like they're just not good and at it's all. not enjoyable to watch it on, like, any, on the, any level not even on the hate watching level is it enjoyable no and there's players that are talented but they're not being utilized like it's just it it's 
It needs to end. It needs to like. Yeah. Yeah. You need to old old yeller this football season. Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> this is since this is our last one. Sin City Trojan twenty one. Yukon twenty twenty four. Hello, Ryan. And whatever uh, U.S. forefather is sitting there, undoubtedly contemplating the bane of his existence in the college football landscape. I think that's you. That's me. Let's take a shot at you. Yeah, it's. Okay. I don't know if it's a shot. But it's, you don't think? You know, okay. I just think it was uh, an accurate description of the situation. I have a simple question for you. Considering the fact that Chip is, Chip is coaching his last few games, don't say that, leading the great powerhouse that is, quote, uh, Westwood JV football, imagine if the great Chosen Rosen had stayed one more year to play for him. In year 2024, what team has more wins? Uh, I think he spelled this wrong. F-U-C-L-A, mm-hmm. coach unknown, or UConn with new head coach Jim Mora. Mm. Does he go on? I, I, can, I guess we can. Got to go UCLA there. I would think. I mean, I think Jim Mora is going to have a hard time winning if he's still the head coach in 2024. Hard to see. Because UConn's gone through coaches pretty quickly. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, anyways, this season for the Pac-12 is once again a wasted payoff opportunity. Ducks will not make it because it's the Pac-12. And will be another offseason of hearing coaches and athletic directors telling fans how close the league is to being a top playoff contender. At least the thought of more Pac-12 podcasts this summer. Talk about something like which head coach is comparable to Marvel character, uh, to which Marvel character can help bring some form of sanity to a conference that is, quote, 12 teams short of a full six-pack. Thanks for your time, Ryan. Hope that other guy hasn't started to look forward to women's softball just yet. Your avid listener, Sin City Trojan 21. Thank you, Sin City Trojan 21. That was great. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. That's it for me. I'm tapped. I am I am drained of all life force. Did that? It felt like two hours. It was only like an hour 40. I know, but it felt every minute of those minutes. There was, yeah. Every single one. There's a lot of weighing minutes. on me because of all uh, all I have to do carrying the show. We didn't even have a beer, um, but we do appreciate all of you guys listening. And man, so many reviews! Thank you for all of that and being patient, and you know, waiting for Thursday to get the show. Uh, but good stuff. I hope you guys enjoy your Pac-12 weekend. If you want to be down at Hermosa Beach, come down, check me out. I'll be south of the pier, hanging out, having some beers, maybe watching some Pac-12 football on my phone. David will be in the his man cave somewhere compla- That's me. complaining about Jimmy Lake punting or whatever he's going to do. Uh, but that is David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of champions. Hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.